All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Learning the Tropes. My name is Erin. I'm your host. And today I am joined by TV writer Claire Nauman for a report on her first ever romance that she's ever read. This week I had her read uh, When a Scott Ties the Knot by Tessa Dare. Hi, Claire. Hello. I'm so thrilled to be back. Um, so before we dive into the the meat of the book, I just want like highlights, like how are we feeling? It's your first romance novel. Well, it's your first open door romance novel. Um, like first impressions. I know you immediately started reading the book. I got a very promising text message from you. (laughs) Yes. Um, how are we feeling? So good. I had such a great time. I feel like you are like a romance doctor. You prescribed <laughs> the perfect cocktail of <laughs> ingredients to me. And I had a really good time reading it. I really uh, flew through the book for sure. This book is a fast read because I reread it too. And I've read it now. This is probably like my fourth or fifth time reading this book cover to cover. Um, but yeah, you fly through this book. It's it's so readable which I is such a strange compliment for a book because I guess any book you like is readable but there's <laughs> something about it that just like flows so quickly yeah it it never lingers too much on any one thing it's always moving mm-hmm. and even the stuff you're like oh this doesn't seem totally related to the romance immediately you're like oh I see how it's related to the romance <laughs> it's very like <laughs> on target I guess totally um, but before we jump into the discussion of the book, we are going to judge the cover. Excellent. So there's only one cover for this book. I think it's the one that everybody gets and it's perfect. So I understand why they never reissued it because why mess yeah. with perfection. So it's so funny when I opened my Kindle app on my phone, I read this whole book on my phone um, because mm-hmm. I have another book uh, on my Kindle that if I connect my kindle to the internet i'll lose it because it's a (laughs) library book that's overdue (laughs) and so i just haven't connected my kindle to the internet for months so i can keep reading this one library book (laughs) let's get you through that book which book is it oh i don't want to say because that's good that i haven't finished it (laughs) um but anyway so i read this all on my phone and every time i open the kindle app this cover would pop up for just like a second and then it would go to the page that I was on and I was always like trying to keep it on there because I was like I need a minute with this cover (laughs) (laughs) I just want to admire it for a few minutes but I I couldn't figure out how without yeah going back in my book so um I was delighted by this cover it's very outlander I mean just maybe because it's Scottish right like yeah has the kilt and everything going on um so that just makes me think outlander but yeah I thought it was delightful so it's Logan and Maddie. Logan is shirtless, thank God, in a kilt with the lock and brook is on is pinned to him. It's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know any of the lingo, but I'm I guess okay, is that what that is? I don't they talk about it in the book. They the do, but like thing. I guess I never visualized it. I didn't really care. I was like, I get it, he's hot, moving on. <laughs> but this also does a good job of like this actually they look like what the, who the character is supposed to look like. And so a lot, of, sometimes they won't, they'll be like yeah. completely different people on the cover. And you're like, I don't know who this is, but this looks pretty much like I would expect R- Logan to look. Cause he also talks, she talks a lot about him, him having like 
bronze skin, which I don't know how he got living in the Highlands, but it's fine. We're we're continuing. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I have just a funny thing about kilts. I think as a kid, you know, growing up, you hear that, oh, like men wear skirts in Scotland. They're called kilts. And you're like, that can't like that's going to look weird. Right. And then I had a crush on a Scottish guy in college and he showed up to a formal event in like his full kilt. And I was like, oh, I get why kilts are hot. <laughs> like, so I just remember that being a formative experience and me learning why kilts are hot. And so like I definitely like this book had a lot of kilt appreciation <laughs> i i agree i i was i don't think i was ever mystified as to if kilts were hot or not i think i learned of the concept and i was like i understand i would be attracted to them <laughs> nice <laughs> but also i think the sad thing is like for this time period like they wouldn't have worn kilts like i think they went out of favor for a while oh that's so, so funny i don't care who gives a shit <laughs> yeah. i mean please <laughs> No, that's not is... what I'm here for. There were several things no. that were probably anachronistic in the book, and I I didn't care one bit. No, oh God, no, no. Um, all right, and then here we have the step back. Ooh, that's lovely. Which is a thing of glory. It's um Logan and Maddie laying on a field. There's a lock behind them with a castle, presumably her castle. Her dress is done. You see her whole back. It's it's gorgeous. Great. Bring these back. I just don't understand why we ever moved away from these like oil paintings. Yeah, they are sort of inherently romantic. Yeah. And this book was written in 2015. So like this is like fairly recent to have this too. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm sure... I'm sure a lot of thought goes into it and they probably know that this is going to appeal to the audience for this kind of book. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's great. Appeals to me. Yep. I I still want one of these like I still want like a romance cover oil painting. Somewhere. For like, you like of your yeah, life to put him not of me, <laughs> of a book, but okay. just to have it, to have oh, it, to just like yeah. display at home. Like, why not? I would be like, if you, if I went into someone's house and this was framed somewhere, I'd be like, this is a cool fucking check. And also jealous, the rage of jealousy. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Incredible. All right. Claire, what was this book about? So, uh, it is about a uh, young woman who is so just pathologically shy that she knows that she will just be unable to go and find a husband in the normal way of going, you know, to balls and meeting people. And so she invents this guy and pretends to write letters to him. And then, like, I thought she would just do this for, like, six months. No, she does it for, like, ten years. <laughs> And then finally has, you know, decides that like she doesn't want to keep it up anymore and tells her family that he's dead. And uh, then she, uh, you know, she moves to this castle that she inherits because her family member was like, oh, well, someday you'll marry that Scottish guy and you should have a castle in Scotland to live in. And she's like, thanks. <laughs> and then uh, one day this guy shows up and he's like, hey, I'm the guy you wrote letters to and I would like this castle. So you have to marry me. And then it's so great. It's exactly what I said I wanted. It has enemies to lovers because they are really at odds. 
It has marriage of convenience because she's like, oh, I guess I kind of do have to marry you. It makes sense in the book. Like, it's her choice. Because he says he'll expose her letters if, right. if she doesn't marry him. And he also says this will be a marriage, like, in name only, which is famous last words for a romance novel. Like, you're right. like, sure, you'll go your separate ways. We believe you. Uh-huh. But also, it's her choice in that she's like, I've felt like a liar for the last decade. And if I do this, then at least I won't have to be a liar anymore. Which I thought was pretty compelling, actually. Yeah. Like, not only is she afraid of a scandal if, like, this whole thing comes out, but she's kind of like... I don't know, like, maybe I should make good on this. (laughs) Um, But then the whole, the sort of will they, won't they of the book is that she makes him wait to consummate the marriage because she realizes, oh, it's not official until we do that. So maybe I can find a way out of this. Um, Yeah. Which is great for the slow burn. That was the third trope I mentioned. (laughs) So you had them all, like, I'm so impressed. Like, you totally had everything in this book that I wanted. So great recommendation. And I was actually really impressed at how long they drew out the slow burn. Like I really, every page I was like, they're going to do it now. Right. And like, they still didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They don't have sex till like pretty much the end of the book. And well, the other thing that I think is nice is it's not just that she's like, no, let's not consummate. Cause at certain point she's like, let's do it. And he's like, no, you're not really into it right now. And I need you to be really into it. She's like, Jesus Christ. She's like, what is going on? So it ends up being like each of them at different points is yeah. saying no for different Pretty reasons. Pretty soon she's like, oh, he's very hot. Like, this is probably worthwhile. Like, we should do this at some point. Oh, immediately she's like, <laughs> he is hot. And that makes this easier. Is that right. I invented, like, how lucky is she that she just pulled a name out of thin air and it oh, ended up being like a very hot man? <laughs> incredible yes she locked out for sure yeah so what did you what do you what do you think about the book what are your top lines what surprised you about your first romance if anything I I really was impressed like how well-rounded it was like it did it was just purely like you know on some level it's a romance it's like okay like it's two people who are gonna bang and that's like the whole point but there really was more to (laughs) it like there there was like she had you know, her artistic ambitions, she had, like, actual, you know, like, very, but very light trauma of, like, the reason that she was so shy around people, and I appreciated that they kind of explored that a little bit, they explored his backstory, and kind of, like, his, you know, the reason he is the way he is, and their struggles with kind of, like, the way they've lived their lives, and the the people it's made them into and how they're having to kind of get out of their comfort zones to be together. That all like had um, a surprising amount of effect and weight on the story that I appreciated. I don't know. It made it richer. So I was delighted by that. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the thing about romance is it needs to be two people coming together that are pushed to be something more together than they could be apart. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. You know, and I think for this book in particular, Logan is somebody, the thing that I, like, there's so much to love about this book, but Maddie writes these letters for, like you said, years, and they turn into basically a journal for her. And instead of a journal being something that you write, and then you just kind of like hide, and then you read years later, like, wow, I was really going through something. (laughs) 
Yeah. Like she, there's somebody on the other end of that. And I mean, I know because I have my three to five pen pals. And so I understand the kind of like intimacy that is created through that relationship of just writing to each other. Cause I've never spoken to any of my pen pals and, um, and how much those letters, which is just like her kind of moving through life affects Logan. Cause when Logan, he talks about when he first gets the letters, he's like an enlisted guy He's an orphan. He kind of doesn't have much going for him. He doesn't want much out of life either. He's just kind of there. And through getting these letters that she addresses to Captain McKenzie, he's like, well, maybe I could be a captain. And she talks about how her younger siblings pray for him every night and it creates this life and this dream for him that he didn't have on his own and and pushed him to be who he is, which is like the ends up being the leader of this squadron i mean what are they like this group of yeah of army he ends up being a captain and having having yeah. men that he takes care of and has created this family um and th- and that's before he even sets eyes on maddie you know yeah. she's sort of already affected him so profoundly so that's such a good point no that is a really special component of the book and i mean you kind of alluded to this but the fact that she was super honest and open and truthful and vulnerable in those letters so like he really Mm -hmm. did learn a lot about her and just I mean that's sort of a chilling but exciting idea too of the fact that you were accidentally really open with someone but then they that means they know you better than anyone else like what a cool sort of uh I don't know element to throw in there well and terrifying because then she doesn't know Logan because she just has her imaginings of him and not who he really is um and yeah and so she the the also runner in the story that i love is so she's a naturist not a naturalist no naturalist naturalist i think the naturists are the nudists and the naturalists (laughs) are the but yeah you're right now i'm confused too (laughs) yeah there's one or that she's not naked but she loves like bugs and stuff and she draws all of these uh, animals for like encyclopedias or for like scientific drawings um, that people brought, bring back from other places in the world. So it's like late colonialism and we don't need to dwell on that (laughs) (laughs) on those men because it's not Maddie's thing, but um, she has two lobsters that she's waiting to watch mate so that she can draw them fluffy and Rex. (laughs) Yeah. And it's amazing because it's basically like the female fluffy has to wait until she's like can molt off her exoskeleton and then what happens like how do lobsters mate well they she, she never finds out because she's yeah. too busy with her actual mate you went to mit for biology do you know did they teach you that <laughs> no <laughs> no I didn't even take human anatomy. I have no idea about animals. I only know about things that are like microscopic. Oh, like I thought you were going to be like, oh, here's how it goes. No. It's in no. Massachusetts. I thought there would be a lobster segment. Yeah, there should be, huh? No, I didn't actually even eat a lobster until I was like 25. Why? That's I don't know. Crazy. I just had never, like, I think I'd tried it, but I never had to like actually sit down and like crack it open myself. Like, 
Oh, well, you're you know, from Utah, though, right? So not a lot of I'm, lobsters. I was born there, yeah. So I'm from the West yeah. Coast, and my it's like a crab. You know, we have crabs on the West mm-hmm. Coast. We don't really have lobsters. Like, I wouldn't ever order lobster in Los Angeles. Sorry, Los Angeles. I would only I would order wonder. a lobster on the East Coast. We used to, like, growing up, we used to have lobster bakes, like, in people's driveways. And you would just go That's and somebody amazing. would have a lobster pot in the middle of their driveway. And then we would all just, like eat all these lobsters it was great yeah i had the first time i had a full lobster was in new england and i remember being lucky that there were like locals sitting at the table with me you know like people who'd grown up there who were like okay i'll show you how to do it it's fine it is you do need somebody to walk you through it oh 100%. nothing about nothing about eating lobster is intuitive you won't figure it out no <laughs> i don't know how anyone ever did this is cruel we're talking about eating lobsters with fluffy and rex who never get <laughs> Listen, eaten, guys don't worry I know that would be so tough for me. (laughs) These ones were pets, but like, okay, I was talking about this with a friend the other day. You know how grocery stores just used to have tanks with lobsters? I haven't seen that in years. You're right. Did either lobsters go out of style or did they become too expensive or did stores just not want to keep a tank anymore? Like, I just, I have distinct memories of their, like, even just like a, your standard grocery store would always have a lobster tank and that's just not true anymore. That's so interesting. I had not realized that, but you're right. But I mean, I guess my grocery store, my like tiny grocery store in Brooklyn would not have lobster tanks. But where do you get a lobster now if you want to have one? I'm so sorry, Fluffy and Rex. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I would go to like a fishmonger. Yeah. That's but I don't even know go. if they would have lobsters necessarily. That's interesting. Wow, where have all the lobsters gone? I'm also in New York. I think I'm a little south for lobsters. That's true. That's true. It's probably easier to get them closer to the source. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Maddie has this dream of, uh, uh, seeing the lobsters procreate. So that which she is can a draw. lovely kind of way of like indicating that she is like horny and has an interest in sex but like doesn't really know how to express it because she lives in this castle by herself with her aunt Thea who is Thea got a leg over she's really doing it but I think yeah it's it's um but it's it's great because then the time that Fluffy and Rex are having sex is the same time that Logan and Maddie are having sex (laughs) Yes, it is a beautiful symmetry (laughs) of the lobster. And that's what I was thinking, too, because when lobsters have babies, they have a million at once. And I'm like, you do need to get her out of that tank or there's going to be a ton of lobsters in there. Too many. Um, What did you think of Logan as a character in general and sort of the way he interacted with his men? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I thought... Yeah, he's kind of the standard brooding, like, scoundrel or whatever, but there is more depth to him, and the fact that he takes so much, you know, care and, like, worries about his men, and really is doing all of this for them, you know, he wants them to have a home even more than himself, that's why he wants to manipulate Maddie into marrying him anyway, Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, I thought that was endearing, and I thought that, you know, they're not featured a lot, but each, each of his men has their own little, you know, 
thing about them. They're all like pretty unique and well drawn and you kind of get why they're a company that like works together and yeah, I thought it was cute. Oh yeah. Logan's well, I think like Logan thinks of himself as a brooding guy, but he never is. Because he's <laughs> always just kind of like hanging out with his men or with Maddie. And it with Maddie, he's so like sweet and gentle and like so clearly like loves her so early, but doesn't True. want to say it. Romance levels are a little bit like The Bachelor in that like you're not allowed to say I love you until like the end. <laughs> ah, yes, that makes sense. Yeah, so they always got to hold it back a little. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's, you know, he just came off of war, so he is a little, like, messed up, but he has that sweet, you know, soft, you know, underbelly that is pretty, pretty obvious pretty soon. Well, and I, you know, you mentioned it being, like, kind of a light reason why Maddie has the fear that she does, which is, like, a like kind of a form of PTSD or it's a absolutely yeah yeah I guess I only meant that it was sort of light and that it they didn't dwell on it too much it wasn't like so or some the thing that happened to her wasn't like so horrific that you're like oh my god like you know I can't believe what she's been through it's more like the circumstances of what it was made sense like that it was so impactful to her at such a young age and that's I don't know well it was that she was in a crowd crush which is right. terrifying, yeah. which is the way that I have Googled and spent so much time of like how to get out of a crush. Oh, it's, no. I'm terrified of it. Oh, yikes. I just yeah. avoid crowds to begin with, but now you're making me really scared. Yeah. Okay. That's another way to do it, but I won't avoid crowds because I do <laughs> love being um, with the people. But yeah, so she was in a crowd crush. Obviously, she thought she survived, but then that was the night that her mother died. Yeah. So then she felt like, oh, if I wasn't out there having fun and then almost dying, then my mother wouldn't have died, which is obviously not a reasonable train of thought. But also she was so young that you're like, yeah. well, yeah, when you're young, you make these connections that don't, that aren't based in reality necessarily. Yeah. Um, I liked that there was a really specific reason that they did end up revealing why she had this fear because it, it was portrayed as something that was more than just like, oh, she's kind of shy. And you're like, okay, well, what's the deal with that? Like, and I, I like that they did give a reason. And she would also, she was panicked in the, in the shyness. Yeah. Like she would have like episodes, which is what I love too, that how close she gets with Grant, who's one of Logan's men who has like short-term memory loss and he yeah. doesn't remember. He'll, he'll periodically forget where he is. It seems like daily. And so they have to keep telling him over and over again that uh, that they're in Scotland and all this stuff. And she really, you know. She feels for him. Like, she feels for someone else who kind of suffers with daily life in a way that other people don't. Yeah. What do you, like, at the end of the story, so they always, so his, like, children have died and his grandmother has died and his entire <laughs> village is burned down it's not funny it's just like so dark and right, awful. It's like a country song yeah and so they keep t- like logan keeps saying oh i'll go you can go see your children we'll go to see them tomorrow tomorrow knowing that like he won't remember tomorrow and then at the end of the book it's sort of a like 
supposedly a sign of Logan's growth that he's like, everybody's dead, but it's okay. <laughs> You're safe now. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know that that's better. I do think that the original of just sort of be like, yeah, tomorrow, everybody's fine. Like tomorrow it's fine is preferable. I mean, what would you prefer? Well, <laughs> interestingly, like that is actually one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh -huh. After Grant attacks her, I was shocked Grant was not locked up. I'm sorry. I understand that he has this traumatic brain injury and he has memory problems, but like he's actively a danger to the people around him. Like not yeah. for, I don't think he should be locked up for good, but like they should at least have like made sure he was secured until, you know, he exhibited some healing or some like recovery. Cause that's the nice thing. Like in the end it does show that like, Oh, maybe he's, you know, getting better and he's able to remember things more and, um, in that case, like, yeah, eventually someone's going to have to be honest with him to help him with his recovery. Um, and I guess it seemed like either way, he might have been a danger. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was used in the book to be like, Maddie's, you know, pushing Logan to believe that, like, things can change, that, like, maybe Grant could get better. And Logan's a little bit set on, like, well, no, I'm just dealing with it the way it is, like. I'm not going to mm. have hope for the future. And that kind of reflects this whole thing of like, I don't have any dreams. Like I don't have hopes for the future. So I think it's just really used as another, like, you know, mirror of their characters. Okay. That makes sense. Also, I think like Maddie's a little bit to blame for Grant and not to like blame the victim. Or <laughs> I mean, nobody was really hurt, but like, she brought him into a place where like, she was trying to make haggis. So the room reeked of blood. And then she didn't poke holes in the haggis to let out the steam. And so the whole thing exploded in a metal pot. So it right. sounded like a bomb going off. So I'm not saying that it's her fault, but like it, <laughs> yeah. it is her fault. I would say like, gotta use your brain, honey. Like this is insane. I also truly don't like, I don't really like cooking. So I just don't understand why having sex with your hot husband immediately makes you want to cook. Like that connection just doesn't work for me. Like, so that, cause that seemed to be her motivation. She's like, I love a Scottish man. So I guess I'm going to make some Scottish food. I'm like, no, like go on a hike, whatever. <laughs> For breakfast, she tries immediately tries to make haggis. Let's, For well, breakfast, is that a breakfast food? I, I don't know. So. But also, she should. Yeah, he. So then he he like grabs her and puts a knife to her throat. Anyway, and then yeah. he ends up shooting Logan. Oh no, Logan fights him. him and he gets a, stabbed in the leg. Yeah, yeah. But we love an injured hero. I mean, it only serves the story and the romance of it. Convalescing. Exactly. Said, Don't leave me because everybody's <laughs> left him. He says it in Gaelic. And she doesn't leave him for the four or five days. And they sort of believe that, you know, he believes that things have turned around. Then she immediately has sex with him when he wakes up, which again, <laughs> AMA, but I'm fine with it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. What did you think about the sex in the book? Because is this the first book that you've read that had, like, explicit sex scenes? I mean, no. <laughs> no? I mean, I, I like read a lot of fan fiction. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, so this is probably very tame. <laughs> um, no, it was good. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought that it was, it was, like, 
did a good job of build up, you know, like Mm -hmm. these people are clearly very into each other. And that's always nice to see on the page. (laughs) Do you want me to say more? I don't really know if I can say more. Um, no, I thought that the sex was great too. And like you, and, and in the way that I think that is important for books like this too, because I hate, you know, whenever people find out that I'm like a romance reader or, you know, have this podcast or something and they're like, what's the deal with romance novels? And they're like, is it just porn for women? And I'm like, well, there is porn for women. That's just porn. But also like, <laughs> no, like it's more than that and i think the thing about you know in this book and and i think in all the romances where the sex is really good it's like because the sex is also pushing the story forward in a way yeah and and that's what ends up happening where i think had you taken all the sex scenes out of this book it would be a lesser book and not just because like whatever (laughs) the reasons that we all like to read sex scenes but also because I think there is like a a learning and a momentum that happens through the sex scenes because even this one I mean I read some awful Twitter take that was like there should in in romance novels where it's male female there should be no blowjobs because it's women's fantasy and no woman fantasizes about a blowjob and I'm like Okay, I mean, like, whatever, everyone's, whatever you're into is fine. But I thought, like, in that way, in any way, really, and and oh, him yeah. sort of being able to release, <laughs> no, <pun intended. laughs> well, being able to release that. Like, it's about closeness. It's about, like, showing the real romance and intimacy. And it's like, of course, that's part of it. Like, I think that, yeah, I think it absolutely would be a lesser book without the sex scenes, I think. Like, you know, but that what makes them good is the all that came before. Like, that's, yeah. I feel like that's the best kind of romance. And that's another thing I was really pleased with this book by is that, you know, because you get this buildup and you get this relationship developing, like by the time they have sex, like that is all you want to read. Like, you're like, yes, like <laughs> let's make this happen, you know? And if you didn't have that, it would feel unfulfilled. So yeah, kudos to them. And also, you know, just thinking about society at large and, you know, the times where we see men and women have sex and entertainment like in movies or tv shows or in other books like it's always fraught or it's always um for the male gaze or or you know there's a lot of sex scenes that are like go really wrong or that are just rape and so that's the nice thing about these books too where it's like this is about like two people really coming together again (laughs) (laughs) but also showing kind of like how sex can be viewed in kind of a different way and how it can be about sort of an expression of love between two people and not just like getting off, you know? Yeah, no. And I think, I mean, yeah, for lack of a better word, like romance novels are kind of, I guess like I would imagine more what women want when they want to like explore that and kind of like, 
see a story of romance and sex like more so than like porn is i mean yeah and but yeah it's not porn for women that's yeah it's a little it's productive that's yes that's reductive yeah um, but yeah, I think it's also just like it it lets you imagine, right? Like you're reading it, but it's not like all the details are there. So like you can kind of like create your own fantasy. Oh, 100%. Where it's like if you just filmed this without being in their minds, it would, right. you know, you'd just be like, oh, oh yeah, it's just having sex now. Yeah. <laughs> but knowing sort of what's happening is, is what makes it so great. Um, also, they go to the Beetle Ball. What do you oh, think yes. of? <laughs> <laughs> I like that they they like snuck a ball in there, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't like balls. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I like the the whole like, oh, is there going to be jealousy with this other guy? You know, I thought that would maybe be played out more, and it really wasn't. It was really like very minor, um, but that didn't bother me. Like I was in it for Logan anyway. Um, yeah, and I thought uh, this is kind of related to the ball, but just like, yeah, her whole sort of career trajectory, for lack of a better word, like, I did enjoy that she kind of got both in the end, you know, I feel like there is such a black and white either or in a lot of women's narratives of like, you can have career or love and like career mm-hmm. is more important. Why would you ever sacrifice career for love? And then, like, she gets everything because that is what we want. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. It wouldn't be like, I think if the book had ended and she was like, well, I gave up my illustrations, but I really love my husband. You would kind of be like, all right, well, this is kind of a bummer, though. Like, this isn't all we wanted. Like, you you do need both. Like, it's a female fantasy. Can't we have both? Come on. (laughs) I know. And I love that the female (laughs) fantasy is like, what if you were with a man who was excited about what you did and yeah (laughs) and put it first or or gave it the weight that you did as well which is honestly what he does even though he makes it very clear he doesn't the bugs freak him out yeah like like, he doesn't get it he just doesn't get it do it but he loves her and so he supports her which is he's like i get you're good at drawing i get also the bugs are scary and those two things are true yeah um so normally at the at the there's always this like breakup that has to happen towards the end of a book and it doesn't happen here there isn't like a miscommunication um other than a man comes and invites maddie to go to bermuda to draw specimens bugs in the in the in their natural habitat as opposed to kind of the way that she had been drawing them which was just like dead specimens and she'll be gone for six months, and she's just like, "Yeah, I'll I won't go." But Logan tells her that she should go. So it, I every time I read that part of the book, I'm like, "This is crazy." Yeah. Also, because then it's like his men are like, "Why didn't you go with her?" And he's like, "I literally didn't think of that." <laughs> like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. That was the best is that he's just, it, it was sort of, but it, it was great because then it was kind of the final, like, he needed to be able to be separate from the men. Like so much of his identity came from them and leading them and thinking about them that, that he was able to kind of move on from them. It was kind of the final step of the story. 
Yeah, totally. And it, yeah, totally made sense. And I liked that she was like, you know, it, yeah, at first glance, it's like, oh, no, she gave up a career thing. But actually, she went after the thing she really wanted. And that was even more satisfying. So, you know, and then they get to be together. Yeah. And she just goes and she. Uh, oh, yeah, she just goes and she basically just like asks for a job from a guy who's creating a four volume encyclopedia about the bugs of Great Britain, which is where yes. she lives. So it all ends up perfect. No colonization required. <laughs> Yes. Well, minor of, you know, a few areas, but it's fine. Not quite as bad. It is glossed over for sure. That is not what the book's about. No. And I also don't need that from these kinds of books. Um, so before we do Goodreads list, is this the last romance you're ever going to read? Or are you going to be more into picking them up in the future? Are you kidding me? I was on <laughs> Tessa Dare's website looking at all the different like st- synopses of her other books. I was like, what is the most like this one that I can read? So I don't know if you have any recommendations. Oh, yeah. Um, the next one. So the great thing about the Castle Ever After series, which is this is book three is that they're not connected in any way. Like, no characters from each series show up. They're just all take place at castles. Oh, okay. Great. That's really all you need. That is So great. there's one called Romancing the Duke, I believe. Oh, oh, I have to look it up. But basically, I think you'll love that one. It's about this woman who inherits a castle, and she shows up. And there's, of course, already a man living there who's like this blind duke. And she has to, uh, I don't know, it gets kind of convoluted. But the thing about her that's amazing is her father wrote all these stories about her as a child, these like fantasy stories, but she was a central figure. And so all of these people who are giant fans of his books think that she's the actual like person from these childhood <laughs> stories and so she has all these like fans that keep showing up places that are like cosplaying as these books it's great wow that's fun yeah yeah and then the other one is say yes to the marquess which is is less silly than the other two but it's really good and it's this woman and she's been engaged to this man forever and he um keeps going on these different like missions and things. And so basically like she's been engaged to him for like, I don't know, like 10 years at this stage. And finally his brother shows up and is like, you're going to marry my brother. Like, and she's like, no, I'm not. I'm where I'm going to break the engagement. And so he's trying to like force her to plan a wedding. And guess Ooh. what? The two of them fall in love. Are we surprised? No, <laughs> but it's very good. All right. Um, but I would Great. say to continue with this series because it's a really fun series and it's a good sort of introduction to this awesome. kind of romance. Um, all right. Before you go, we're going to do quick Goodreads lists. So basically, you just tell me if you feel like this belongs on this list or not. Okay. Favorite historical romance novels. Yes. <laughs> so far, it's the only question. But, yeah. <laughs> But it would also be a yes. Um, best humorous historical romance novels. Oh, I didn't think the humor was like too forward in the or like 
too big a component, so maybe no. You didn't I think it was particularly funny? Not really. But, I mean, <laughs> I didn't. that didn't bother me. No. Uh, best historical romance is where the quiet, unusual girl gets the guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is very quiet. Or, and unusual, too. I mean, she just likes drawing. Would you, if you could have any artistic ability other than writing, obviously, which is an ability you already possess, what would you choose? Like, would you? Hmm. Like, I mean, probably dancing. Really? Yeah. I would say I would want to be an amazing singer. Ooh. I'm not. But that would be, or draw. I feel like when people just can draw really well, I'm just like, this is amazing. Yeah, I can't draw at all so but i've never really wanted to that badly so that's okay (laughs) (laughs) uh best highland scotland romance novels yeah sure historical romance marriage of convenience slash yes marriage (laughs) it's so good i really truly it is my favorite trope and it's like the thing that would be the most horrible in real life like at no Uh, point in real life is like a marriage of convenience a good idea like in my I guess like maybe there's a case that it would be but like I just feel like having to be married to a guy you didn't like is like my worst nightmare in real life but in romantic uh like fantasies I love it <laughs> oh it's amazing oh I mean there's so many things that I love to read about that like if it happened to me I would be horrified but oh, that's totally. why it's safe in a book <laughs> exactly. and not and not something I have to deal with. Because, yeah, obviously, actual forced marriage is uh, horrifying and should be stopped. But in a romance novel, it could be more. Exactly. Uh, um, best historical romances, married couples. They get married really early in the book. Yeah. No, they're married for most of it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, hot, steamy, sensual, historic romance books. Yeah. Pretend lovers and fake en- engagements. Ooh, yeah, that's true. That's that qualifies. Well, it's a fake engagement on her side that right. she kills him, and then, and then it's a real marriage. But the men know that they haven't slept together always just by looking at Logan. They're like, he's oh fucked yet. I guess yeah. A lot of those trope is like. I guess like Bridgerton is like they're like we'll pretend to be engaged so that people leave us alone or something. Yeah. Like. Oh, we forgot to talk about like the the most heartbreaking part of the book, which is like Beltane, and he admits like the letters and sort of what they did for him, and then he's like, and then you killed me. Yeah, he's oh. really butthurt about that. I would be too. It's yeah. like a dagger to the heart. The one, the one thing about this book, and I don't want to spend too much time thinking about like realistic, like what would happen, but like what he never wrote her back. She yeah, just, like, never put her name on it, or yeah. I guess we, it doesn't ever even address it. I guess we could like do that in our heads to make it okay. But yeah, at some point, you know what? Though you could say like, oh, he was afraid the letters would stop. Yeah, if he wrote that's her back. true. But he's, yeah, he feels so betrayed by her. Like, it's amazing. Like, he's had an entire, like, full cycle relationship with her. And she doesn't know he exists yet. And it's amazing. (laughs) But it's so heartbreaking because it's like, yeah, that would be awful. After 10 years of receiving these, like, really heartfelt, sweet 
letters, like really learning and falling in love with somebody through these letters, then all of a sudden they'd be like, I've decided to kill you. Goodbye. It yeah. would throw you for a loop. I guess at that point he should have written her back, right? Yeah. Um, the letters weren't going to keep coming anyway. Uh, yeah, because somehow he knew. I mean, I guess she just said the name of the castle and then he probably just figured out where mm. it was. But um, love letters, romance novels featuring written communication. Yeah. Best romances with spinsters, wallflowers, or old maids. She's <laughs> <Yes>. 26. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. That's the one thing about, like, sometimes they're so young that I'm like, okay, I have a hard time believing a 26-year-old has lived much life, but fine. Yeah. I mean, they didn't live as long back then. So for historicals, it works for me more. Because it's like, mm, if they make it to 45, they're having a good life, you know? <laughs> Wait, this is my big thing with that. The reason why people think that people lived only to 45 back in the day is because they count infant deaths which were oh. much higher. So if you take out that, like people, the average age that people lived to was like in their like mid 60s to early 70s. That's a good point. So it's like life expectancy was 45, but that's because it's an average. Yeah. And a lot of people were making it to like three days and then cutting it. But I mean, not to be morbid, but like think of the, you know, 40 and 50 somethings in your life with like health problems that without modern medication, like would be bad. I don't know. like. Certainly, like, there were, there was more that could go wrong that could not be fixed. Oh, yeah. Listen, 100%. That's why there's all those mythical creatures back in the day, because nobody had glasses. So you were just seeing normal <laughs> things like, what could that be? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know about the quality of life. And listen, I would say 30 and 40 year olds now, after we've discovered sunscreen as a people, you can't stuff us. That's a good point. It's yeah. a huge, huge thing. No, I mean, yeah, you're totally right. People were still living to 80. Like, it's obviously it, it existed. But I guess, like, you know, even Logan could have, like, almost died because of this one stab wound, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, like, life was just riskier. So I do think people, you know, were more apt to just, like, you know, jump headlong into stuff and and maybe, you know, seize the day. Yeah, totally. Although, um, to do a whole total sidebar, I got really, my grandmother a few years ago gave all of her grandchildren this amazing book that is like our genealogy. Ooh. And it brings us all the way back. And her research went back to the early 1620s in France. Wow. Yeah. Where I in, then, in France, and, you said? Yeah, in Parish. Which was wow. a town that existed then, but I guess doesn't anymore. Or Trouvel, Trouvel. But they, um, I went back to the one church in that town. Thank God there was only the one. And then it was all electronic. <laughs> like they put up all their archives. So I kept going back because I'm like a crazy person. But my like nine or ten times great grandmother in 1616 had her last child at 41. I love it. So that's, that's why cool. everyone's talking about, like, the fertility stuff. And I'm like, well, if you're over 30, you're geriatric and just don't even bother. Everything's dusty. I'm like, I don't know. This chick was having them at 41. Yeah. She was not ha being aided by anything. And that was Yeah, they seven. just kept cooking them, man. Like, can't <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah. 
can't stop, won't stop. No birth control. So, you know, it's like, if you get a hit, you get a hit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess we don't know how she felt about number seven, but I do think, you know, just to say that people. Yeah, no. So like life is over at 30 and it's really. Okay. I just, re- this is a total sidebar. I just recently was told that menopause is like early 40s like for some reason i thought it was much later but like oh that's scary yeah i was talking to a doctor friend and she's like yeah no like 40 to 45 is like when it gets going for most people and i'm like a what that's really early i thought it was like 50s yeah me too but I guess it makes sense, like, if she had her last kid at 41, it's, like, after that, that, like, the factory was closed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows? Yeah. Um. All right, let me see. What else do we got here? Romantic comedies you don't want to miss. You would not consider it a romantic comedy. I mean, I guess so. I guess maybe I'm just thinking, like, it didn't. So here's the thing for me, even like watching romantic comedies, if there's stuff that's like super cringy, I think a lot of times people are like, haha, that's so funny. But like for me, it's uncomfortable. But there wasn't yeah. much cringe in this. Like, yeah, she no. was uncomfortable and she was like, you know, in like awkward situations of her own making, but they didn't make me like want to crawl out of my skin or like want to stop reading because it was so awkward. I was like, no, like what's going to happen? So I guess like it's a good thing for me that it didn't feel like a romantic comedy per se. Yeah. And I do want to say there's a rash of romantic comedies, right? Or like books being described as romantic comedies right now. And you're like, no, they don't qualify. Well, uh, they tend to not be very rom, very romantic, and they tend Mm. to not be very comedic, like comedic either. So it's just like a dilution of both. Right. You're like, don't call it this because you don't have either. I know. And I'll say this because also no nobody who ever pitches to this podcast listens to the podcast. But like the amount of pitches that I get to like review this book, it's the new romantic comedy. And I'm like, nope. No, thank you. <laughs> so like if you can't just call it a romance to a romance podcast and like, listen, I thought that this was funny, but there are romances that are like laugh out loud funny, like really great. Sure. And even those I wouldn't necessarily call rom-coms. Like, I don't know what it is about just like this proliferation of people calling these books rom-coms. that like really irks me, but it does feel like them trying to be like, well, we're not like, we're not like a romance. We're like a romantic oh. comedy, yeah, you know? Like, and I'm no. like, oh, like being no. romance. That's the part to me. It's like, that's the primary thing you should get right. If you're going to write yes. anything with romance, like the romance has to work and be romantic. And then if on top of that, you really want to make it funny, like go for it. But like the romance doesn't work. Like, what are we even doing here? Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. What are we doing here? But I guess comedic, like I, this definitely was a comedic book in that it was light, or on the lighter side and wasn't like super angsty I guess like oh you yeah know, they it kind of just like rollicked along so I guess in that sense yeah it was it was funny yeah um romance of the bookworms oh yeah I guess she's a bookworm so oh he. he reads too he reads too <laughs> But she comes up behind the screen and he's wearing his tiny glasses reading Pride and Prejudice. And I'm like, that would that is upsetting. 
in a great way. <laughs> if you're trying not to fall in love with somebody, watching them read is not the way to do it. I don't know. Speak for yourself. No, if trying not to watch to oh, fall yeah. in love with somebody. Because, yeah. Um, I've loved you for years. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I mean, on the inside, like, he doesn't say that. He wouldn't. No. But he's loved her for years. And then she loves him, too. Oh, great. She says it first. Um, uh, That's a trope that I love, too. It's just, like, unrequited love. Oh, heck yes. Yeah. No, that's a great trope. So if you have any wrecks for that, I'm down as well. Oh my god. Well, I've already wrecked you the rest of this series. We'll yeah, so talking. I have some stuff to work on. Or I guess also we could put it out to everybody listening. Like if you now you guys have a good sense of what Claire's into. If you want to wreck her any books, you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com and I will forward everything. Here's the thing about Claire, guys. She's fiercely private in that she has <laughs> no Instagram, no Twitter. You can find her at IMDB, but you cannot contact her there. Um, we're not putting up a video of this episode. <laughs> Claire doesn't want to be perceived in any way other than her voice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. For now, at least. It's fine. It's always my, optional. I'm like uh, Maddie, but someday I'll have my debut once I meet a hot Scot- Scotsman who brings me out I of show my up and you're just wandering around with a, with a Scottish man in a kilt. Yeah, I would love that'll it. be the, the day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, how freeing for you, though. If I could get away from social media, I would love it. You must have such, so much time. It does help with that. I mean, it's not like I don't lurk sometimes. Let's see what the people are talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Any final thoughts about your first romance? It was just, it was so fun. Like, I really did... I was at the point where I was like, I don't know, like if I'll find one that, you know, I really like, or like, I don't know how much fun I could really have reading one of these, but it was so much fun. And it really did like qualify, you know, and like align with my tastes so perfectly on a lot of levels. So it's really opened up a new world for me, which is great. (laughs) And so was there like, was there like a big surprise or like a big misconception that you had that was kind of yeah, I think that it would feel like filler until the sex scenes. I think yeah. that was the misconception I had. And it truly didn't. It felt like a fully formed story, you know, with a narrative, with point of view, like all the way through. Yeah. So I apologize to romance on my behalf for that misconception. <laughs> no, I think that's also like very common. I don't think people realize that it's like a full book. And then there's yeah. like- like it's yeah there's characters and there's side characters and they do other things but you're right that it is always does have to be in service of the story of the central romance but yeah and I'm sure like some books do that better than others but like yeah yeah you know I think this was a great a great example of one that it really balances those those needs right like you have the needs of of fleshing out these characters so you really care about them and you get where they're coming from but then you also like have them coming together in this great romance yeah it's great (laughs) i love them i think that they're so good (laughs) well that's the other thing too that's always so funny when people like oh are romances well written and it's like yeah 
But it's like, I don't know, are movies good? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, there are good ones and there are bad ones. And there are ones that are good that people like that you don't like. And then there are ones that are bad that people hate that you like. And it just exactly. that happens. It's like, so it's literally probably at this stage, hundreds and thousands of books. So there are bad ones and good ones and okay ones and niche ones and everything in between, which is what is so fantastic about romance. Yeah. Claire. Well, in conclusion, do you have anything that you're swooning about that maybe isn't this book, obviously? Any TV Uh, show or anything? Yes. This is going to be kind of out of left field, not a romance. No. Uh, I really love the show Dave on FX. Okay. That stars the real life rapper Lil Dicky playing himself. uh season three is out now and it's just i think it's just a brilliant show it's one of those rare prestige comedies that are actually funny like i love a a tense half hour comedy quote unquote but like this one's actually funny like i laugh out loud watching dave and i think it's really well written and i just think it should win all the emmys i don't know why it's gotten passed over but i love it what is it about it's based on his own life. So he used to be like, he used to work in sales, but he always wanted to be a rapper. And so he spent his bar mitzvah money to make like a video that went viral. And then he became like a YouTube rapper and then finally like broke through kind of mainstream. Um, and it's kind of the fictionalized version of him on the come up and him as like a rapper. And it's kind of always about how he's, he's not like the typical rapper. He's like this neurotic, you know, Jewish guy who just happens Mm -hmm. to be like a really good rapper. And then kind of his, his path through the industry. Um, But he's also a very talented TV writer because he, he writes the show too. So like his TV career has now almost eclipsed his rapping career, I would say. Um, That's awesome. And he has like, um, some he his whole like sort of backstory is he had some birth defects on his penis that had to be corrected with surgery so he has this like kind of chip on his shoulder about his penis which is why his rap name is Lil Dicky oh no <laughs> like a very big part of the show <laughs> and like his whole persona which I think is maybe why it hasn't earned a lot of Emmys because I think Emmy voters go into the show and they hear all these dick jokes and they're just like why am I watching this yeah that is odd. So fair warning, it's not for everyone. For some reason, I guess I have a high tolerance for dick jokes. Who knew that? But I, <laughs> I've learned that about myself. That's amazing. What about you? Uh, I'm suiting about a show on HBO called Rain Dogs. Oh. And it's about, it's this uh, Daisy May Cooper is maybe her name. But it's a it's about this, it takes place in England. It's about this woman um, who's a single mother and lives way below the poverty line. And it's about how she and her daughter kind of survive and the community that they make. And it's funny. And it's written by Cash Calloway, who's a, who wrote a book uh, that was about her life in a similar life where she was living below a poverty line with her daughter and working in like a peep show in London. And so the, the show isn't her story exactly. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about it is I think a lot of times when poverty is explored by people on television or something uh, like 
your typical TV writer, somebody who hasn't experienced poverty, you could always tell and it never really feels quite right. And this is the first time that I've watched something and I've been like, oh no, this is what it's like. Because it's not just like sitting around angry at the man (laughs) the whole time. It's like you have fun and you do find pockets of money to do something. And sometimes you're destructive and sometimes you really try to get on board with things and some yeah. and you have a community and you have friends and you have people you care about. So I just think it's like a really brilliant show. Um so yeah it's Rain Dogs on HBO. I really Wow, that. that sounds great. How did you discover yeah. it? It was um I don't know, it just was like served up to me. And I had known her because she was in a show that now I'm gonna forget. My in country, my country that I liked. And so the lead actor, the lead actress. And so I was like, okay, cool. And then I just started watching. I was like, oh no, this is fantastic. And it's not like anything else you've seen. It's really good. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for the, yeah, the shout out. I'll have to check it out. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um, All right. Nobody can find you anywhere. As I've said before. That's right. Only on this podcast. Exclusive. Exclusive Claire (laughs) Nauman content is this podcast we've been on another podcast i've been on a few i've been on a few yeah yeah that's my one outlet to the the world she'll pop up here and there if you do want to recommend her anything i will forward her any email that you guys send me thank you aaron of course you can email us um yep uh learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com we are on instagram and twitter at learning tropes we have a patreon if you go to patreon.com and search learning the tropes you'll find us there you can join we have videos of a lot of episodes but not every episode not this episode um and uh yeah and until next week happy reading everybody <laughs> <laughs>